chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, short-handed goal. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at lvsportsnetwork.com. Puck comes out high, Watt gets the puck, off to the races, into the zone, the righty, right circle, backhander, he scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead! This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Ryan Wallace out here at Section 104 inside T-Mobile Arena. Chris Chapman back inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215. Home of the... Woo! You know what it is, the Golden Knights, the New Jersey Devils. That game goes tonight at 7 o'clock. I will be on the air at 6 o'clock with the pregame show leading up to a very important game for the Vegas Golden Knights against New Jersey. But right now, we've got two hours on the VGK Insider Show. We are going to open it up to you. It is your segment. It is your opportunity every single Monday afternoon at 4 o'clock to give us a call at 702 876-1340 and sound off on the Vegas Golden Knights who are coming back home with a three-game homestand after a three-game road trip in which the Golden Knights picked up three points out of a possible six. It was promising. It looked like the Golden Knights had a very good opportunity to take home five out of the six points, which would have made it a great road trip, but it stagnates in Edmonton, and right now the Golden Knights are going to need to do some damage here at home against the Devils, the Washington Capitals, and then the final regular season home game of the year against the San Jose Sharks. 702-876-1340 is the number. Again, it's your segment every single Monday here on the VGK Insider Show. 702-876-1340. Let's head out to the phone lines and bring in Mike. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Well, hi. We saw Darren behind the glass today at City National. We were hoping maybe he'd make an appearance today. Darren is, I think, coming back slowly and taking his time. So I, I would imagine um, if I'm if I'm going to do this like Pete DeBoer does when it comes to injured players, I think that I'm going to say he's on the horizon. Uh-huh. Uh, how, how long, how far away that horizon is, I, I don't know. I can't say. But I, I think he's maybe on my radar or on the horizon as we speak, uh, Mike. Ah, good. Good news, indeed. Well, at any rate, I uh, promised that I would do some research between our last talk and and this particular show. And uh, the thing that really struck me was listening to the uh, Los Angeles Kings podcast, and they're moaning about their injuries. They are completely and utterly decimated, as the Knights are. Uh, They have one defenseman that they can count on, Anzi Kopitar, and he has one goal and six assists. That's how they were painting it. I'm not painting it that way. Now, here's the question I have. When the season began in October, I looked at the the 17 guys who could contribute, and I didn't look at them as closely as I looked at them the other day. And of those guys, and that includes the Misfit line and Haig and McNabb and Carrier and uh, Stevenson, all the regulars, all the usual suspects, including the defensive players. Mm -hmm. Of those 
17 players, only Stone and Pacioretty, have not played half of the games this year. So, yes, is that huge? Of course it is. Mm-hmm. Now, that is also knowing that Jack Eichel wasn't a sure thing at that particular time. So plug in Eichel and plug out one of the other two, if you please. So if that's the case, and these the rest of the team is averaging 62 games on average out of the 74 that have been played. Mm-hmm. So my question is, why are we still three points behind the Kings with six games to go? Well, I mean, I... <laughs> I think that when you're when you're looking at things from that perspective, you're you're saying that you're expecting guys down the lineup to be able to contribute in, in, in the way that you're wanting them to. I it's not always linear in that regard, Mike. Like you're you're talking about a, a down year from William Carlson. Like I don't think there's any other way to slice it. Yes, he's great defensively, but from a production standpoint, William Carlson, who did suffer a setback during the season with an injury and has come back and, to me, not been the same confident player with the puck, I, I don't know that, that you're counting on William Carlson to only have 11 goals for you. You're probably looking at a lot more. Uh, losing and, and, and not having Riley Smith down this stretch hurts you because as William Carlson, in my estimation, is getting better, having him play with Michael Amadio and Evgeny Dodonov is not necessarily what you were hoping for out of William Carlson. And and perhaps a more confident William Carlson now with Riley Smith would lead to more production. So I think that you're looking at it and saying, okay, well, you've had 15, 16, 17 players that have played over three quarters of the season. And by that estimation, they should be better than what they are. But you're also only looking at you know, forward groups, you're, 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 you you got to take into account Alec Martinez and his 53-game ac- absence and what that does not only for your penalty kill but your power play and your five-on-five defense. It's more than just production and points and goals. It's a, it's a complete system of, of how you play the game, and when you are missing guys from your lineup that are NHL players, I think that it gets a little bit muddy in that you're not playing the same type of system or you're not playing to your expectations everywhere. No, that's an excellent explanation. And in a way, I'm glad Darren isn't here today because he would have slam ducked me and instead of explaining it and dumbing it down. Because I know a lot of us fans are blinded by the light at times. We, yeah. we hear how decimated other teams are, and we know they are, and we just wonder why we haven't been able to pass them. The other thing is, and you made a big point of this uh, the other night, uh, the the addition of, of Jay Woodcott is a huge addition for, for Edmonton. Mm-hmm. But I will submit that there's a bigger addition to Edmonton. It's a guy that was washed up, had no hope, and in seven games he's tallied 31 points, Evander Kane. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a player that's motivated, right? Like, this was a guy that, that regardless of what was going on outside of hockey on the ice he felt he was an nhl player that can contribute and can certainly help a team win the the san jose sharks they didn't believe that that was the case or were not able to look past some of the off ice issues and so evander kane got a fresh start and we've seen what what can happen with with you know certain players or some players getting the opportunity to hit the reset button and that's what going to edmonton was for evander kane and he's fit in incredibly well there and you know i'm interested to see what comes in the in the playoffs with the edmonton oilers and thank you mike for the call in that i i was impressed by the oilers 
in the game against the Vegas Golden Knights over the weekend. I was thoroughly impressed with their commitment to detail and, and defense, and Mike Smith had himself a pretty good game. I don't think he was tested nearly enough or as as, as had to make as many difficult saves as maybe he, he should have or you'd like him to. Uh, but in that regard, I, I think that the Edmonton Oilers are a team that's a little bit more bought into how they need to play in the playoffs. So I'm curious to see how things go for the Oilers once they get their ticket punched. And I'm still very curious to see if it's going to be a first-round matchup against the Vegas Golden Knights for the Oilers as well. 702-876-1340 is the number. It's your segment every single Monday here on the VGK Insider Show. Let's head back out to the phone lines, bring in Todd. Hey, Todd, how you doing? I'm good. How about you guys? I'm good. Hey, Mike, the reason we're not gaining no ground is because we're 24th on the power play. Hmm. And, that's a, and that's a big problem. And whoever's in charge of the power play should be fired. So, Mike, Because Pete DeBoer said, don't grade me till the end of the year on the power play. Well, yep. it's the end of the year. And I'm grading him with an F. So, you can't have this many talented players on this team and have a, a chaotic power play that is never in sync. I mean, I've I seen teams that are, like, terrible in the standings, and they have a better power play than us. That's a big problem. And look, guys, we're very fortunate we even have a chance to make the playoffs with all the injuries we have. Mm-hmm. For one, so our team's still pretty good because we're not out of it yet. So, Todd, and, Todd, let me let me ask you a ahead. question really quick on the power play. Like, what what in your estimation is the biggest issue, and what would you do to fix it? I'm not a hockey coach, so I don't know. No, but I don't. But seems, you have. But, but it you seems do like have... they rush into the zone real quick. They can't uh-huh. get organized, and and then you know the other team shoots it out real quick. They come back in herky jerky. They can't get set. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can't get set. And it's been a problem. It's not just this year. It's last year, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a big issue with the Knights. 24th on the power play with the talent that we have on our team is ridiculous. That's, you know. There's so only eight me, teams worse than Todd, us in the whole league Todd, on the power Todd, play, and Todd, that's not me, acceptable. Todd, let me ask you a question. Because uh, you said that the Golden Knights are, are lucky or, or fortunate to be in a situation here down the stretch that they can still make the playoffs given all the injuries that they've had. And you, if you've listened to the program, you know that I've been critical of the power play. Uh, but it, by that same logic, right, like if, if this team's been decimated by injuries and this team has not had their game-breaking players in the lineup all together at the same time for maybe uh, for more than, what, four, five, six games, right? Like this is now going on the fourth game all year that you're going to have Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, and Max Pacioretty available to you on the power play. Uh, so if, if injuries are kind of a, 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 a lens into why the Golden Knights have, have you know not been able to secure a playoff spot yet, is it not also a lens with which you can view the power play as not being as successful as you'd like it to because you just haven't had all those pieces together building that chemistry all season long? Not necessarily, because it's been the same way no matter who's been in the lineup. Well, right, Even but when I'm, they're I'm all healthy, to, they're, but, they're not good on they, the power play. But they haven't been all healthy. That's my point. Even last year, when they were all healthy, they're not good on the power play. Right? That's, that's, that's what kind of no, I, doomed I, us in, on, in the playoffs, because we I, can't score on the power play. Sure, It was sure. an issue coming into this season, and they haven't fixed it. 
And well, listen, even again, with all the injuries, if we could have scored that... a handful of power play goals, we would be ahead of the Kings. That's the bottom line. I, I that... are, Todd, again, I'm not sitting here saying the power play is, is where it needs to be. What I'm saying is if you're looking at the injuries – and understanding that because you haven't had certain players all season long or for various stretches, long stretches, out of the lineup at, at different times as a reason why they haven't been consistently able to win hockey games, I think you can, you can reasonably say that that's something you look at for the power play and the struggles they've had this year. Again, okay, let me, you're, you're wait, talking about four second. games. You're talking about four games that the Golden Knights are going to have Jack Eichel, Max Pacioretty, and Mark Stone available to them on the power play. It makes sense that right now it's been disjointed. It makes sense that right now it hasn't been. And then when you haven't had those players available to you, as you've had for various stretches, you're looking at different guys filling in. Matthias Janmark going on to the power play. He's not going to be a power play player for a lot of other teams. Same thing with Keegan Colasar. Same thing. Well, you're with... not getting my point necessarily. I, I must I'm not saying we, we can't get into the zone, offensive zone on the power play, and get set up and cycle the puck around here or there. We, we go in like on a fast break and then try and dump it and the other team kicks it out and then mm-hmm. you got to circle back and try it again. Yeah. They just don't seem to be, no matter who's been in there for the last two years, they don't seem to be able to get set up for the power play and, and make it work. No matter if they've had last year all their players healthy or this year with whoever's healthy in and out of the lineup. Yeah, no, if the power play was a little better, we wouldn't be talking about the playoffs because we'd already be in it. Yeah, thank you. You know what? You, I mean, it's a good point, Todd, and thank you for the call. I'm not sitting here and saying that a, a Golden Knights team that has the 24th-ranked power play in the league is, is – I'm not saying that that's where it needs to be or that that is what you'd expect, especially with the talent. Well, the only point that I'm trying to make is – the power play this year has been inconsistent at best. And when it's going through a stretch where it's struggling, there are moments throughout the regular season where the power play has come through. There have been points during the regular season where the Golden Knights have scored power play goals in four, five, six games in a row. That has happened. It hasn't been consistent. And I think that that's kind of my main takeaway with the power play structurally uh, there are things i'd like to see happen from a personnel standpoint there are things i'd like to see happen um, but i i look at it chris chapman as you know you you don't have a fair view of what the power play could be simply because your power play units have not been what you wanted them to be and at various stretches this season the golden knights have had three four five regulars from a power play missing at any given time well yeah and that's the thing right we hear all the time it's about consistency and 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 the power play is not the same as having five guys out on the ice right like you you operate differently when you're on the power play as opposed to when it's when it's just five on five so you, you, you have to build the timing. You've got to build the consistency. You've got to get comfortable with the guys you're out on the ice with. And these guys have had so many players go in and out of the lineup basically since game two. I mean, even game one, they were missing with TSE and Mark. So they've had so many guys go in and out of the lineup all season that building any consistency on the power play, th- th- this is like the most amount of time that these guys have been able to work with their number one power play unit all season, since preseason, since September. Yeah. So 
I, I understand the frustration with the power play. However, I will never, ever, and it's something I've said, I, I won't call for someone's job. That's not my place, right? Someone could call for my job too, right? Like it's not my place to say this guy should be fired, that guy should be fired, and I understand the frustration. I totally get it. This team should be better on the power play, but there's reasons why they're not, and you have to look at those reasons and inconsistency with who you're playing with on that first and second power play unit it's just not there, and it hasn't been there, and maybe it's something that gets corrected. Maybe it's not, but at this stage of the game, there's really nothing we can do. There's nothing that can be done to change what's taking place. No, I mean, you got you got to hope, right, that, that now that you've got the guys in place that you were expecting to or wanted to have in place, that they start to build some chemistry. I get it. It's six games. It's not a lot of runway here, but that's where the situation is right now with the Vegas Golden Knights, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that the power play has been good enough. It hasn't been. But uh, there's room over the final six games for this power play and this collection of talent to come through for the Vegas Golden Knights when they need them most and when the season is on the line. 2876-1340 is the number. Let's head back out to the phone lines, bring in Fernando. Hey, Fernando, how you doing? Doing okay. Um, yeah, I agree with um, with uh, Chris about the power play. Um I want all of our um, VGK fans to come out and support and cheer our team and support and cheer um, if it's Logan or Lerner in the net. Um, support them. Just be positive, and um, we're still close to the playoffs, and um, we just have to stay the course, and um, hopefully we'll, we'll get in there. And um, Thanks a lot, guys. Have All right, great, great stuff, Fernando. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an opportunity tonight for the Golden Knights. You get a New Jersey Devils team that is out of a playoff spot, and I know that we have a tendency at some point to look at things as black and white. This is a game in which the Golden Knights should win, so that's the idea going into it. But you you have to find a way, and a, a New Jersey Devils team that is without Jack Hughes, without its most dynamic player, but is still a team that has a lot of players playing for next year, a lot of players playing for contracts. Uh, it's never an easy game in the NHL, and I think that that's kind of a distinction we do need to make going into this one against New Jersey. 702-876-1340, it's your segment every Monday here on the VGK Insider Show. Let's head out to the phone lines and bring in Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie, how you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing well. Can't complain. <laughs> that's good. So I think this is kind of interesting because the results from this road trip, you know, winning one game, losing one game, and getting an overtime point from one, wasn't, you know, something that was completely unexpected going into it. It was just the way that the points fell that seems kind of strange because, I don't know, I went into it thinking we would beat Vancouver and possibly uh, get an overtime point from Calgary and then, uh, or sorry, overtime point from Edmonton or beat them and then uh, possibly get that loss against Calgary. So it's just it's kind of silly the way that uh, the points fell. But I, I don't think that coming back with three or six points on that road trip is the end of the world the way that it could have been if we, you know, didn't get that extra time uh, overtime point against Vancouver. Yeah, you know, I, I, I've, I've sat and thought about it for a while. I, I, I'm kind of right there with you. Like, I, I, I would have, if you're penciling it in ahead of time, you're penciling in two points against the, the Canucks. You're thinking, okay, if you can get maybe one out of, out of 
Calgary, that'd be great. If you're thinking you can maybe get one or two out of Edmonton, that's great. Like you're you're looking for a five game, uh, five point road trip. And unfortunately, I think what what really hurts for Golden Knights fans is their best game of the entire road trip was against a team that is arguably right now the best team in the Pacific Division, and the Golden Knights skated them out of the building. And then you follow it up with a performance against the Edmonton Oilers that defensively I thought was fine. Offensively, it just wasn't there. And then you start getting into a situation where you're chasing offense and the game kind of opens up there in the third period. Um, but to me, like, it's not so much how how it happened, but the fact that five points was there for the taking, even four points was there if the Golden Knights could have kind of kept it bottled up in that third period instead of letting the game get away from them. I think that's probably the most frustrating thing. Yeah, that that's what was really frustrating about that game. And I feel bad I didn't call in after it. I meant to, but I was in the locker room at CNA and the terrible reception here that day. Um, no worries. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, 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 wasn't really that terrible of a matchup until that third period. I mean, it was one nothing for, you know, two thirds of the game, really. So, I, I mean, even though that game just, yeah, was painful by the end of it, it, it wasn't like completely a spirit crushing one because if they can pull through and have a complete game, they can do it. It's just, you know, getting that push to get the complete 60 minute effort in the, in one game. Yeah, for sure, and thank you for the call, Stephanie. The the 60-minute effort tonight from the Golden Knights is going to have to be on point, and, and you're going to have to see a game from the Golden Knights that looks very similar to what it did against the Calgary Flames. Even though the New Jersey Devils are without Jack Hughes, this is still a team that can put the puck in the back of the net. So in that, in that instance, the Golden Knights are going to have to be dialed in defensively, and they're going, to not, they're going to have to put themselves in a position where they're not sacrificing their defensive structure for offense. If you want to know what that looks like, go back and watch the third period against the Edmonton Oilers. Let's head back out to the phone lines, bring in Lou. Hey, Lou, how you doing? Hey, Ryan, I'm doing good, buddy. Hey, uh, once again, when I call up and try to be the voice of reason, you know that things are coming off the hinges. Folks, chemistry doesn't happen because a coach looks at three guys and says, I think these three will work out together. Even if he's watched film and he says, you know what, their games are similar enough that I I think they'll work nicely, it takes time on the ice Mm. for them to gel. Time in practice, time in game, and the way that this season has gone, there hasn't been a chance to build chemistry with some of the new pieces. That and the fact that the lines, not the lines, but the the roster has been shuffled so much because of the injuries. I, I keep hearing people call and talk about chemistry and it's like it doesn't happen that way it, it doesn't happen overnight and sometimes the chemistry goes away you can look at the misfit lines and i'm gonna ask yeah. you about that in just a second ryan yeah. you know the misfit lines had great chemistry at times and then at times that chemistry seems to go away it doesn't mean that they can't play together it just means that there's ebbs and flows in in the chemistry couldn't agree with you more like it it's it's fascinating in that every single line from the perfection line in Boston uh, to any line that you think of off the off the top of your head that, that you say is one of the best lines or the best line in hockey, at some point during the season, that line will be broken up. The perfection line's been broken up for a couple of games at, at various stretches. It just happens because sometimes the chemistry you're used to isn't really what you're getting on the ice. It comes back for sure, but it does take time. 
And sometimes when you have chemistry, but you've got to break a line up because of injuries, the chemistry kind of goes away and has to be rebuilt. It's just, it's a cyclical kind of thing. It really is. But to get to my other point about the Misfits line, we had a little bit of conversation going on earlier. Make the case to me for breaking the Misfit line up permanently. I mean, I, I think, I think the, the argument that I would make in that situation is that you want a shutdown line, right? Like, if, if you're looking at it objectively and you say Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty and Jonathan Marchessault and Jack Eichel are your offensive drivers, I don't want to saddle those guys with defensive minutes. I think that the way William Carlson plays 200 feet, you can really dial up a line if everyone's healthy, that can go out there and shut things down. To me, I don't know that you're looking at it as a pure shutdown or go away from the misfits. I think a line of Matthias Janmark with William Carlson and Riley Smith would be one of the best shutdown lines in hockey. And I don't disagree with you at all, I, but i got a question for you. Which of your three forwards do you want, and I know the answer to this, do you want to have the most defensive responsibility and to be the most defensively responsible? I think it's William Carlson. Like, I think if you're, so if, if you're carving out a niche for him, it, it's him. Sure. Yeah. So it's got to be the center spot, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, once again, I think it's one of the little, I don't even want to call it a nuance, but just kind of a fact of hockey that, again, a lot of folks don't get is I want that 200-foot guy, and I want that 200-foot guy to be in the middle of the ice because I don't not only need him 200 feet, but I need him east and west as well. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things that as a coach you have to look at and figure out, much like what you said, who's going to be that line. Yeah, and, and I, I think, you know, with kind of the news today that we got from Pete DeBoer, and thanks, Lou, for the call, that should the Golden Knights get themselves into the playoffs, perhaps a, a return for Riley Smith would be on the horizon. Uh, it doesn't It's obviously not imminent right now, but if you were able to get Riley back into the fold for the Vegas Golden Knights and you're kind of looking at, we'll get into what the lines look like today at, at practice, I, I think that there's a case to be made for a William Carlson, Riley Smith, shut down, just don't give your opposition opponents anything type of line. But, you know, you got to get there to get there, and that's what the Golden Knights are aiming to do over the final six games. Let's head back out of the phone lines, bring in Joe. Hey, Joe, how you doing? Hey, Joe, are you there? Oh, I'm here. How's it Can going? Can you hear me? Yep, yep, we got you. Oh, good, oh, good. Uh I had a quick question. Well, I hope it's a quick question. I am uh, looking ahead towards the future. Okay. And May hockey. And I see I see the, the Silver Knights in the playoffs, and I see the Golden Knights in the playoffs. And I was curious, how, as the Golden Knights get more healthier and people like Riley Smith come back, mm-hmm. how does that affect the Silver Knights, and are they able to, like, move players up and down like they are in the regular season? And, like, if a, if a Golden Knight gets hurt, do, does, could you see a Silver Knight play one night in the AHL playoffs and then the next night in the NHL playoffs? Yeah, I mean, that, you, you, you would be able to do that. Yeah, you, you, you could fill roster spots and all that. That wouldn't be a problem. Okay, so it, it, uh, they don't have to, neither team has to have a certain player 
on the roster by a certain deadline date, and then that's the cutoff. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's deadline rosters that you need to have submitted well before that. But, I mean, if, if it's a player right now on the Henderson Silver Knights that's been called up before for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, then you, you wouldn't have any issues. Okay, that, that was it. So Logan Thompson technically could play for the Henderson Silver Knights one day and then play for the Golden Knights the next? In theory, yeah, but I, like my point, my point here is that it, you're you're focused mostly on the Vegas Golden Knights, right? So I, I think right. if if yeah, if that's Vegas that's the prize you want to go for. Yeah, but I if, was just curious how that works. If Vegas is looking uh, to the playoffs and Loren Brossois is not back, not healthy, not available. Logan Thompson is going to serve as your backup, and I think the main focus here for Logan Thompson and for the Vegas Golden Knights would be for Logan to stay with Vegas and, and in case he's needed for a playoff run. Thank you for the call. Joe, let's head back out to the phone lines, finish it up with this one from Gordon. Hey, Gordon, how you doing? Hi, Ryan. I'm doing fantastic. How about yourself? Oh, I'm great, buddy. Wanted to get your thoughts on the seventh player award. Uh, the Golden Knights at the end of every regular season give out their three postseason awards, the Vegas mm-hmm. Strong Service Award, the Three Stars Award, and the seventh player award for a player who goes above and beyond expectations. This year it's Brett Howden, Nicholas Waugh, Michael Amadio, Ben Hutton up mm-hmm. for the award. Who's got your pick out of yeah. those four? Yeah, it's really hard for me to go away from Ben Hutton. I mean, when you're talking about a guy that was not playing hockey, right, into a spot with the Vegas Golden Knights at times playing top pair minutes, filling in incredibly well next to Alex Petrangelo, and now that the Golden Knights have some health on the blue line and Ben Hutton is still finding his way into the lineup night in and night out, uh, it's it's really hard for me to go away from Ben Hutton. Let's let's get Chris Chapman's thoughts on this one. You know, I... I, I I wanted to say Howden, but unfortunately, you know, he, he he's been injured and, and we don't know when we're gonna see him back. But I like what he was able to provide the team as a fourth line center. I thought he came in with relatively low expectations and I feel like he kind of exceeded them. But it's hard to go away from Ben Hutton. I mean, the guy's playing first pair minutes on on the defensive uh blue line and, and like you said, Ryan, he was he was sitting on his couch. I mean you can't exceed much more than that than a guy goes from sitting on the couch to playing top pair minutes in the NHL for a team that's contending for a playoff spot. It, it, it is Ben Hutton for me. And, and look, I think the guy's done a phenomenal job. I mean, I think all four of those guys that you mentioned have, have done a really good job. I mean, Amadio was in a similar situation as well, right? Waved by, was it the Maple Leafs who waved him? And, and he uh, is now playing regularly on, on the second line for the Golden Knights. So I, there's all four of those guys have done a really good job, but I think if I have to pick one, I do, I do think I'm going to go with Hutton. I'm with you there. Uh, just the versatility of of the player is uh, is that that gives him the award for me. Nicholas Waugh, the leader right now in the poll on the Golden Knights Twitter page. So if you haven't voted yet, head over there and right to the top of the team profile, cast your vote. Uh, but it's going to be an interesting race. Waugh leading right now, but you've you've put up a, a heck of a case for Ben Hutton. I think the votes are going to start flooding in. All right, you know what, Gordon? Thank you for the call, number one. Number two, I'm going to retweet that right here as we take a break, and then I'm going to make my case for Ben Hutton, and I'm going to see how much I can influence the poll. Uh, Great stuff, everybody calling in. Uh, I'm hopeful that we're going to have the same energy tonight on the post-game show. But for now, let's take a break. We'll be back with our power play to the playoffs and Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 
the BGK Insiders Power Play to the Playoffs here on Fox Sports Las Vegas is being brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas. Power Play to the Playoffs, the Vegas Golden Knights. Six games remain as they look to punch their ticket to the playoffs for the fifth straight year in franchise history. But in order to do so, they're going to have to win quite a few games between now and the end of the season. And there are only six that remain, one of which happens tonight against the New Jersey Devils. And to help us examine the Golden Knights and their playoff odds, we bring in Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun. Hey, Danny, how you doing? Doing good, buddy. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. So uh, let's get first your your thoughts on the, the Golden Knights three-game road trip. Now, uh, it... I guess the only way that I could really sum it up, right, is that it was inconsistent at at best. You had uh, a game against Vancouver that, you know, for stretches, Vegas played well enough to win but only get a point out of it. Then you have perhaps the the best game of the year against the Calgary Flames in which the Golden Knights looked unbeatable, and then you follow it up with uh, an offensive clunker against the Edmonton Oilers. So uh, what are your thoughts, opinions on that three-game road trip from the Vegas Golden Knights? Yeah, I'm I'm about right there with you. I think the I think the term I was thinking about was missed opportunity. I think the Vancouver game is probably the one where if they do miss the playoffs, they might look back and say, well, they at least they got a point out of it. But if we knew how it was going to fare against Edmonton, you know, a few days later, that might be the one where it comes back to haunt them. I think obviously the Calgary game was one of their best, and Edmonton all of a sudden showed that they know how to play defense for a sixty-minute stretch. I think that kind of surprised everyone that watched that game on Saturday. So definitely think it was a missed opportunity. Definitely think that it was a little bit inconsistent. And now they put themselves in a position, at least I think, to where I think they've got to come close to running the table, if not run the entire table and win at least these next three, probably next five, maybe in all six if they want to get in. So you, you think that that's where it's at? They've got to win all six of these? I, I think so. I think when you look at the Kings and their schedule, obviously it's not the most difficult schedule. If they want to catch up to them, they're going to need the Kings to flip up at some point. Dallas has a tough back-to-back with Vancouver and Edmonton tonight and tomorrow. If they can get zero points out of that stretch and Vegas wins a couple, they're right back in it. But I do think that they're going to need to play pretty close to perfect hockey, I think, if they want to get in. Just the way that the teams in front of them, have not been able to lose or falter as much as I think they would have hoped. And I think because of that, that's where the situation lies with that. So you bring up the Los Angeles Kings, and on the day that the Golden Knights lost 4 nothing to the Edmonton Oilers, the Kings were able to hold on to a 2-1 victory over the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, that essentially took the, the control out of the Golden Knights' hands in that they, they don't necessarily control their own destiny at this point. Um, you you bring up the the schedule for LA and like I, I, ordinarily I'm right there with you right like you're playing non playoff teams you should be able to win a, a fair majority of those games but the Kings have not been great over the last four or five games that they've played their their results have been kind of a mixed bag what makes you think that LA is going to go on a run of of say two or three three or four wins in a row yeah I think that's the thing it when they lost Dowdy and, and I know that. Drew Doughty and his defensive skills are much maligned in this city. But when we when we talk about the overall impact and the way that they've been playing this year, Doughty has kind of been a crucial point to them. Obviously, he goes down, and that kind of puts things in flux. I think 
the difference with the Kings, whether they've played well or not over the last few stretch here, is they have the ability, especially up front, to where they can take advantage of these weaker teams with Arvidsson, with Kopitar, with the likes. And I, and I think when you have a team that is at least balanced enough up front to where they can take advantage of these teams that may not be so good up front and so good at the back end, and if you can even just get a remotely decent outing from your goaltending, given who's in front of them, the Kings would really have to screw things up down the stretch. And it's just hard for me to think that if they weren't going to lose to Columbus, it's hard for me to look at the rest of that schedule and think that they're going to completely fall apart. I just have this weird feeling that they might be able to kind of squeeze things out. So then it comes down to Nashville and Dallas and how they fare down the stretch. All right, Danny, I want you to put your, your Golden Knights sweater on, and I'm going to put the C on your chest. What oh, is, God, help me. What, what is your message to your teammates these last six games if you are the captain of the team? Go out and play your game. I feel, I feel like it's got to be that simple, right? Like this team on paper, we've talked about it all year when they get healthy. When this team on paper, when they are fully healthy, they are one of the best teams in the league. And I don't know what exactly that is going to have to entail, whether they have to play a full 200-foot game for 60 minutes, whether they have to be aggressive on the forecheck all times, whether they have to dump pucks in and win those battles, whatever they got to do. They've got to find a way to do it. And so surprisingly enough, this team, I don't think, should need so much rah-rah type of thing. They should be able to just go out and do it. And I don't know if that Edmonton game was an outlier. I don't know if that Edmonton game was, you know, a sign of things to come for the final six games. But it, it was a very weird situation to see them score six against Calgary and then go to Edmonton two days later and only put five high danger chances on Mike Smith and make him look like he's back in Arizona. So it, there's really a whole lot of, I, I feel like you should just be able to go out and do your job and do it well. And if you do, you should be able to win these games, but that, that that's definitely not a good captain talk for me. I would say, <laughs> uh, no, no, not, not, uh, not really. Um, you, you did say, <laughs> You did say some things that I, I, I found to be pretty interesting in that uh, you used the word outlier, and, and you used it in response to the Edmonton game. Um, but you have two games there that are, are confounding when you place them back-to-back, and as you mentioned, it, it was the Calgary game in which the Golden Knights, defensively responsible, took away everything the Flames wanted to do and crashed the net hard, a lot of high-danger chances. They looked like the team everyone expected them to be at the beginning of the season, and then as you mentioned, 48 hours later, um, defensively they were still fine until the third period where they started to kind of cheat a little bit to get more offense. So is is when you ask about the Edmonton game being the outlier, is that the right game to be questioning as an outlier? That's, that's a good point that I didn't really think about. You know, And you brought up a good point. They played very well, I think, defensively enough through the first two periods to either get a goal out of that or get two goals out of that to take the lead. I think the third period, they just – a lot of situations. Have you got that goal from, I think, Cody Ceci in the, early in the third period, and, and it was just a well-screened shot in front of Thompson, and then they had the – well, they had the shorthanded goal, and then they had the breakaway off the Martinez turnovers. So I think everything just fell apart. It kind of reminded me of that Minnesota game right, up, right after the deadline where they played well enough in the first 20 to 40 minutes, and then the third period they just ran out of gas. So mm-hmm. I think 
ultimately, the Calgary game is what I think everyone expects this team to look, and I don't think they're going to put six on Markstrom every night or five on Markstrom on every night. But I, I think the Edmonton game, it's all about getting in front of the goalie, trying to put some bodies in front of him, and try and score the, the dirty goals that way. And I think they didn't do enough of that, and I think that's probably why ultimately – you look at that game and think that that was probably the outlier. So here we are with six games remaining, and this might be one of the more difficult questions to answer, but I'm going to throw it to you anyway. What is this team's identity? That's a good question. Uh, You know, I think if everyone was healthy for a full 82-game season, we might be able to have a clear answer to that. Honestly, I don't know what the identity is. I don't think... I think this is the first time we've looked at this team and we really don't know what to make of them. Are they, are they a team that relies heavily on the back end and turns defense into offense? Are they a team that can, you know, be that physical, aggressive, forechecking team that, you know, most Pete DeBoer coach teams have tended to be in the past and work for goals that way? It's really hard right now to think that, you know, we're getting four or five games in with Pacioretty, Stone, Eichel all on the ice together at the same time. And I really don't know if there is truly an identity. I haven't really thought about that. There, There is, yeah, there's really not much of an identity there. I don't know if they want to be like a fast team that capitalizes on the transition game like they used to be, or they just want to, you know, pack it in and turn defense in the offense. I want to say it's probably the latter, but honestly, I don't know. Yeah, Danny, I want to follow that up with you because is it as simple as this team has not been able to establish an identity just based on the fact that there hasn't been any consistency with the players in the lineup? Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I think if if we were talking back in game one, if we were talking with everybody's healthy and everyone's playing about 60, 70 games, and then they go and add Eichel, and then Eichel plays with those guys for a good 25, 30 games, then I think at that point you could probably say that this is a barely I, I, a team that's pretty heavy at the top that can score and has pretty balanced attacks at lines two through four, and then you have a defense that's you know considered one of the best in the league. So I definitely think just the way that the injuries have played a part in this, you can definitely make the case that, that there, there really is no identity with this group. Yeah, it's an interesting thought, thought experiment, mainly because it, it all comes down to injuries, and, and that's kind of the, the direction that I was going. But it, 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 I wanted to view it through the five-on-five lens, and now I want to view it through the power play lens because the first segment of this program, we open it up on a Monday for people to call in and and voice praise, concern, whatever the case may be when it comes to the Golden Knights. And obviously, the power play was a lightning rod in the first segment today. So um, from from that perspective, at the beginning of the year, Pete DeBoer asked about the, the special teams for this team being judged at the end of the year. There's six games left. I think people are ready to chalk it up and say, this is what the power play has been all year, so this is what it's going to be through the final six games. Here's the question that I posed to you. This is the last one from me. What does the power play have to do for the Golden Knights over the final six games to either change perception of opinion on what the power play's been this year? Or, better said, what does the power play have to do in order to help the Golden Knights make the playoffs? Well, I think it goes beyond saying they need to score because we've seen the power play score, and when it does, it looks good. I think what needs to change for this power play, 
I think there just needs to be more movement. There's not enough movement, especially from the blue line over, especially on power play one. Usually when Eichel gets it along the half wall and kicks it back to either Petrangelo or Theodore, I think Petrangelo was last game, so we'll use him as the example. If, if Eichel's at the half wall and he's kicking it to Petrangelo, most of the time it's, okay, do we want to play hot potato back over here or do we want to actually set up Pacioretty from the right circle? And there were a couple of instances on Saturday when Petrangelo would kick it over to Pacioretty, and I didn't think that, they, that he got it off quick enough. And I, and I think when you don't get it off quick enough, you're obviously limiting what you do between the perimeter on the power play. I think there needs to be movement. There needs to be a lot more crisp passing. I think that's going to dictate the effort that is shown on the power play. And I think if you're able to get that kind of movement, there are so many playmakers on that first power play unit that can, one, either shoot and score, or two, can pass it to the open man. And I don't think we've seen enough of that, and I think that's where a lot of the frustration lies with that power play. So I think they, there needs to be just a lot of consistency as far as movement and making it look like they can be a dangerous unit. All right, Danny, great stuff. Hey, where can people find your stuff as you get ready for a big-time game for the Golden Knights tonight against the New Jersey Devils? Yeah, so you can just find my stuff at LasVegasSun.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at DannyWebster21, and uh, we'll be uh, providing the game coverage later tonight for what should be, I don't know if I want to call it a trap game, but it is definitely going to be a, a very nervous building, I think, if something goes wrong tonight. So it should be a lot of fun. All right, Danny, thanks so much for jumping on here. Really appreciate it. Danny Webster with the Las Vegas Sun. Joining us for the power play to the playoffs, we are back with the play of the day next on the VGK Insider Show. That was the VGK Insider's power play to the playoffs, brought to you by the iconic Sahara Las Vegas, here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson, centered, Eichel scores! It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Play of the day comes from the weekend and the New York Rangers demolition of the Detroit Red Wings and this beauty through his own legs by Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere gets some room between the legs. Watch him fake everybody. The goalie was already down twice. It was such a great fake that he was going to shoot the puck. He drops his shoulder. Here and again, watch him drop his shoulder like he's going to shoot it. And Larkin is faked. Yeah, Lafreniere, I mean, it's it's an absolutely beautiful goal. If you have not sought it out, do yourself a favor, go for it. It's between his own legs, around a defender, Thomas Grice out of his net and just misses on it completely. It's a wide-open net for Lafreniere to put it into, and that is the type of talent that you were expecting if you were a Rangers fan out of Lafreniere, and it looks like uh, if he can continue to to play this way and continue to make some plays like this, uh, it's going to be a, a very good addition for this New York Rangers team as they are in the playoffs and gearing up, getting ready, putting their game where it needs to be in order for their playoff run. But the Golden Knights still looking to get their ticket punched for the postseason for the fifth straight year. We're back with our number two of the VGK Insider Show right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. 